Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. I'm Sonia Lorraine. And we are so excited to have you for episode 27. It is what is the problem of human existence and what does it really mean to be born? That is our topic for today. I'm excited about some other things we're going to talk about that kind of relates to that. Sonia, how are you? I'm okay. Just yeah. getting excited about doing the podcast today. So yeah. Here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I hate talking about weather in some ways. It's like so cliche, but it's so beautiful out here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Springtime mm -hmm. weather. I'm really excited because I <laughs> just started playing soccer again last night. I went to just try it out because I've been having some issues with my knee. And it was so much fun. And I didn't have any pain last night. I didn't have any pain this morning. So yay. Good so for happy. you, Lacey. Yeah, so. I'm happy about that. And I also went to the gym and did kickboxing again today, which is why I'm wearing a hat. And guess what, people? On the other side of this hat is our new logo. And guess what? You don't get to see it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you will soon because yeah. that's almost ready to go, isn't it? So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And I'm glad that you got out there and started doing some things, Lacey. That's cool. Yeah. Being it physical. Really, and I know you love soccer, so that's pretty neat. I do. You know, it feels really good to be back in the gym. It mm -hmm. feels really good to be back at the soccer field. I mean, I've been at the soccer field on and off, you know, some, but it just feels like we are reaching a place. It's kind of closer to normalcy or normalcy is probably not the right word, but we're in we're in a better place when it comes to being able to be together as human beings now when we're right. talking about the phase of COVID and where we're at. Right. Um, and so that feels really, really good. I'm hopeful that, you know, the these variants aren't something that are going to jack up our, our summer and the progress that we've made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we're never going to go back to what we had before. But I think... Um, life is we're sort of adapting you know obviously people are still doing masks and we have the vaccine but i think you're seeing people outside and they're just desperate for uh human interaction after yeah. the winter and you know the last year so it's good it's all good yeah that we can get out there like you said yeah exactly so it's wonderful that that's happening um it's wonderful that it's springtime i think i was telling someone else that I've like, I'm in love with spring and I'm like, I wonder if it's just because we, we've been locked in for so long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like probably, yeah. probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, Cause yeah. normally I'm a fall girl. Like I'm a, I love fall. Fall is my favorite season, but right now I'm in love with right spring. Right now you're in spring. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, well, uh, just a couple announcements before we get started. Um, Melissa Bernstein, uh, we've had to change the date, unfortunately. Unfortunately, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. She's still coming on, but we just are in the process of working through some scheduling um, stuff. So stand by on that. Of course, we'll keep you updated. Uh, and we're very close on our new uh, logo reveal. We have something else alongside it when we reveal it that is very, very exciting that we're going to announce with it. So stay tuned. We're getting closer and closer, guys. And uh, it's episode 27. We're in season two. Everything's live. We're having a blast, man. Like, yeah, season two. Wow. Yeah. 
I know. Time went by so quick. It's crazy. Yeah, it did. It really did. Well, the other thing that I think is quite interesting, Sonia, is what we decided to talk about today before we got into the content is uh, related to birth and birth rates. Uh, It's the, you know, decrease in birth rate numbers, which is a huge story, honestly, for us to be talking about. It's very historical Mm -hmm. uh, how, how this is happening, but also our content uh, Frome talks a lot about like what it means to be born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's kind of ironic. Yeah, it's amazing. We didn't really plan this, but uh, it worked out that we both uh, kind of listened to some things about the birth rate in the U.S. and Japan, and then we're talking. The theme is about being born, so that's some right. interesting. Which is cool, and I mean, of course, being the basic income advocates that we both are we can weave basic income into both of these, you know, into the content and to the decreased uh, birth rate numbers uh, situation. And we can, you know, see that being a very powerful uh, help help for that. But, but anyway, we'll get there. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. Let's uh, let's actually, let's just go ahead and go there. How about it? Yeah. Um, What, what did you learn as you, and as you, heard and read about the decreased birth rate and yeah uh, I, I I didn't focus so much I know this in the states it's definitely decreased um and you could probably speak better to that Lacey because I know that you listened to some you know information on that the one I knew more was Japan and Japan is really fascinating um how what really uh struck me there is the patriarchy so women mm. there do not want to have children um because they have to do everything. That's the bottom line. They don't get support from their husbands. You know, they can't have the career and watch the kids. And it's a culture that really it's, I know the numbers are like the lowest and like the, the dad helps like 45 minutes, say a day. And then, you know, there's another number of how much, how much work she does. So compared to other developed countries, um, it's, it was really interesting how, what I found interesting too, is that the women that want to stay single, they have these single karaoke places, single places to go to dinner. So the women are actually happier, I think, being able to pursue their, you know, careers or their life, because when they have children, it's sort of like, okay, my life is over. I have to stay home and watch these kids and not get any help, you know? Right. Well, I remember the the anecdote, I guess, on that episode. It was the New York Times uh, podcast, The Daily, I think yeah. is what it's called. Yeah, it's The Daily. So the, the reporter goes with this woman who to their house, to her house to just spend some time and observe. And she says, I remember this part of it. She said the, the dad says, like, I'll, I'll take them to school and drop them off at school. <laughs> and the mom is up running around like crazy trying to get their lunches made. And I know a little bit about this because I've been a full-time nanny in the past right, and right. part of what my job was. But anyway, she's like trying to get their book bag together and, you know, their lunches and their get their clothes and then the extra thing of clothes and whatever. And so, uh, so the reporter's like, oh, he's going to take them to school. That's great. And she's like, no, no, he, that just means he's going to accompany me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember that story. Hard to go drop them off at preschool. I wow. know. Well, what I think they're faced against now um, is that obviously you don't have children, and then the children can't grow up to support the system, the social system, like your social security, and also yeah. your professionals, say your doctors, nurses. So 
they're really, it's affecting the population, obviously. And I think, um, I don't know if it's the prime minister that, I don't know if you recall who they, it's an issue because they need to encourage women uh, to have children. And he um, mm. actually took time off from his work. And people, there was a backlash against that in the sense that he said, oh, I'm going to work from home. Can you imagine? And like, cause his wife was pregnant and going to have a baby. Wow. So the, it's the culture is very like not supportive of women. And that's going to, that has to change if the society is going to, um, you know, be able to thrive. And did you notice Lacey in the beginning of that podcast, how they talked about this one town, I don't know the name of it, yes. where there was no people in there and they had dolls. That like is in, the craziest thing in ever. The, yeah, in the field and all over. Yes. And so then the reporter was saying, well, eventually the town's just gonna like, he's gonna live there, it's gonna die off. There will be no town really. I mean, the town will exist, but there will be no people living there. Is it's that wild? Spooky, man. And, and <laughs> I just wonder this to you all who are listening and to you, Sonia, do you, does that not make you think that the society or give you this pang of like, this community is not healthy. Whenever you see a community that's not continuing to grow and, and you know, no, it does. It does. And, and I think, you know, I know we will tie this into from, but I, I mean, for a society, in my opinion, to have well being then you need to be supported in all aspects of society. The women need to be supported. The children need to be supported. Right. The, the parents, you know, the single people, whatever the circumstance, the disabled. So when you don't have that, then that society basically disappears, which is what's happening in that's that one scary. town. You know? yes, that's scary. That's the, that's the elimination of that society. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of uh, where we're headed to with the U.S. I'll give some facts from mm -hmm. what's happening in the U.S. here in a second. But what it, you know, that also makes me think, Sonia, about how much we have talked about how important community is. Um, and, you know, it's what's happening in Japan is the women are taking all the brunt of everything, which here it, it happens. But I think it's just a little bit better, probably. Well, the, the numbers aren't the same, but. Numbers women still, yeah, women still do. Yeah, the majority of like all that stuff, housework, yeah. childcare, and all that. Well, yeah. But the point is, is like women are going. No, I, this is not a quality of life. I don't want to live like that um, in Japan and also here. And what that speaks to to me is a lack of community. That like how how impactful a lack of community is because if you look back you know, in history and before the onset of agriculture, there were groups, people raised children in groups. There was always community. You know, mm -hmm. if I said this myself personally to you, Sonia, I'm not having a kid unless I have, a, like, I need to have a good community of people around me mm -hmm. you know? and it's way too expensive. And that's exactly what people are saying here in the States. But right. my, my point is, is just connecting to the lack of community. I'm sure those women would be feeling totally different about it if they knew they had a community of support where they could like take a breath mm -hmm. and like have a moment to themselves. Yep, I agree with you that 100%. So tell mm -hmm. me about the, uh, what's going on in the US cause I didn't, I didn't look at that. Yeah, so the birth rate in the US is the lowest it's ever been in history. It's the second slowest decade of population growth in American history. Wow. Um, and that's since they've been doing the census. This is all census information. So they started doing the census in 1790. So that's a big deal. 
I mean, the oh, yeah. birth rate is the lowest it's ever been in history. And so it sounds like Japan is ahead of us a bit in where they're at with, with all this. Um, so we could look to them, i.e. stuffed dolls, to make <laughs> actually people when there's not. Do we want to go there, people? I don't think so. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're, we're slowing and we're, we're going after the same pattern that they have. She said uh, on this podcast episode, she said there's two factors that um, factors to population growth, immigration and births. And immigration has been decreasing for the past decade, which I think is quite interesting because if you turn on certain channels right. or all channels, I don't think you hear immigration. Yeah, has no, you don't. You don't. The, the, it's a, the message is different. It's anti-immigration. So it's very important that you state that. Lacey. And I remember hearing that too, but we don't hear that enough. We no. hear the other side. Right. And not surprisingly, immigrants are uh, of the most, the, the group that of the, of blah, blah, why can't I talk today? <laughs> <laughs> immigrants are the group of all of us who are having the least amount of children. The birth rate has gone down the most wow. amongst immigrants. Um, so, so that's something. Um, and, and, you know, they talk about how birth rates tend to decline after a country is in recession. Um, and it did in 08 and it didn't bounce back after 08. Um, and so then, you know, the same thing's happening now, but it's just continuing to decline. Uh, 25 states had more deaths than births last year. Right. And I heard, and maybe you heard this on the, what you were listening to the podcast is, there was this idea that we would have all these births with the pandemic, you know, of us being, I mean, the pregnancies, but then I heard that that didn't pan out did that way. Right. Okay. That's yep. what I thought. Did not happen. Okay. So what are some long-term effects of this? I mean, why is this a big deal? Why is this negative? Who cares? Okay. There's more older population. Is there anything that comes to your mind? So yeah, I mean, you won't be able to have a society when you just have one segment of the population. You need the younger population to support also the older population, both uh, economically and then just right. physically. So you can't have this lopsided uh, population. That That's what comes to mind. And I'm pretty sure that's one of the yep. one of the issues. Yeah. Yep. So that that's a big deal. And, you know, I, I couldn't help but think while I was listening to this, like, guys, this is just it's just so easy. You know, Andrew Yang obviously talked about this on the on the campaign trail. Um, he talked about this specific issue, the decrease in the birth rate and how when you see the birth rate going down, that's a negative sign societally and economically mm -hmm. and so what do we what could we do to help solve this problem what could we do to empower women so that they don't have to feel like they have to work 25 you know uh 100 hours a week including their household we can give them money why don't we just give people money how about we give people a basic income we value the work that women do in the home by making sure that they have money uh, they have a basic income. Doing that caretaking is a lot of work and having a basic income that would empower people to have children that would give them the financial security mm -hmm. that they're for. And, you know, then, then they'd feel like probably a lot more open to having a family and having kids. Yeah. I mean, the, it comes down to the values of society and I don't think we value, we, we say we're, you know, pro family, but I don't believe in the States we do value the family and it shows by all of our 
or lack of policies. And, you know, I, I think also women, you know, they're, women are people, so they want their own life. And you can't have a separate life if you don't have support or the economic means, whatever it is, if you want to go to school, if you want to work, if you just want to hang out, you can't do any of that. It's yeah. impossible if you're, you know, 24 seven with uh, child rearing. Yeah. The story uh, on the the episode about Japan, they had the, they were with the lady. She was coming home from her job, and she was taking the train in Japan. And the oh, first yeah. train went by, and, uh -huh. and she was like, let's get the next one. And the second train went by, and she goes, let's wait for the next one. And the the reporter was like, why why are we waiting? Why? Are, she goes, this is the only time I have time for myself. And I oh, was like, that's that's huge, right? I mean, I, I know some people might not think that a basic income would change that situation, but it would 100%. She has more money in her pocket. She can, you know, have financial, the finances to get help with the kids. She can go get her nails done. She can have, you know, I know that might sound silly, but guys, doing things for yourself does not harm you or other people. It helps you to be better. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. And the problem is, um, I think there's never been, it's not a balance, you know, we don't have the balance where it, it well, you know, because your nanny, it's just 24 yeah. seven with uh, when these women are having to take care of the kids. And then in the culture, that culture specifically where the man's not even helping out. I mean, no wonder she wanted to keep waiting for the train. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, uh, fascinating topic, definitely yes. something we hope to bring some awareness to see some progress in that area. I'm definitely not going to help out with the birth rate being. <laughs> That's not what I'm planning, how I'm planning to help. But, um, but okay. anyway, all right, let's, let's jump into some from guys. What okay. is the problem of human existence and what does it really mean to be born? I am, I love this, this whole thing. What were some of the things that kind of popped out at you? This is a, this is from chapter three. It's called the human situation the key to humanistic psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis. Um, we're just doing a little section of it, but uh, what, what kind of jumped out at you, Sonia? Um, okay. What jumped out at me initially is that from does a good job of separating, you know, uh, the animal from man. We are obviously animals, but in our evolution, we change, you know, the brain grows, we're able to reason. So he definitely distinguishes that. And I thought it was really interesting when he said that when the animal transcends nature, when it transcends the purely passive role of the creature, when it becomes biologically speaking, the most helpless animal, this is interesting, man is born. Because yeah. you know, when you're an infant and you're born, you're, you're helpless. So then life, he said, becomes aware of itself. Man, right. and this is awesome, man is part of nature, but transcends the rest of nature. He is set apart while being apart. He cannot rid himself of his mind or of his body. He mm. realizes his powerlessness and the limitations of his existence. So I really like that. When when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know, we're part of nature. But right. we're a, you know, we're also a part, you know, we're away from it. And this is this constant struggle like we're having today mm. where I think we've really removed ourselves from nature, which is a lot of the problems we're having, like climate crisis and, you know, pandemic, et cetera. And so we have to be able to be in, you know, with nature, but at the same time, we're never going to be, you know, as to me intimately involved as say like an animal, 
that's not because we reason and we get bored and we think about things and we think about death and, and life. And so we're on a whole nother level. And that's where from initially is going. I don't know what you picked up there, but that yeah, was. Really yeah. I really love this uh, element because, you know, he talks about how the animal is lived through biological laws of nature. Um, it's a part of nature and doesn't transcend it. Um, it has no conscience of a moral nature and no awareness of itself and its existence. And he's, we're talking about animals here, mm -hmm. um, not humans. It, it is, it has no reason if by reason we mean the ability to penetrate the surface grasped by the senses and to understand the essence behind the surface. Um, therefore the animal has no concept of that truth, even though it may have an idea of what is useful. So I think the drawing the uh, contrast here is really important. Um, of course, we evolved to a place where we became animals who did not act essentially by instinct, which mm -hmm. is how anim other animals act. And while this is beautiful and wonderful and amazing and what sets us apart as human beings at the same time it's this problem it becomes this problem because why because we be, we've become aware of ourselves mm -hmm. as beings and we ask these questions have you ever asked the question why are we here what mm -hmm. are we doing here mm -hmm. you know self-awareness reason and imagination he says disrupt the harmony which characterizes animal existence. I mean, I've heard people say, man, like the life of a dog or a cat, man, they got <laughs> nothing wrong. Everything's fine, you know? And, and that, and that's essentially the difference between the two. And he's drawing this line, mm -hmm. calling it the problem of human existence. Yeah. I mean, the thing, uh, the statement too, that about reason being reason is his blessing and curse. And if you think about that yourself, you say, wow, I can reason. So that is a blessing. You can use your mind and you can think, but it also is a curse as you pointed out, because then come these existential questions. What am I doing here? Why am I here? This doesn't right. make sense. You know, this struggle an internal struggle. So I can see the, yeah, I can see that where people say, yeah, life of a dog, life of a cat, just chill, hang right. out, you know, live, live instinctually, a simple life. It, right. It's attractive, you know? Right. So he also says he is part talking about humans. Oh, our, our emergence has made the, the emergence of man has made us into an anomaly into the freak of the universe, he says, he is part of nature, subject to her physical laws and unable to change them, but yet he transcends the rest of nature. So we're like, we're, we're here, we're a part of it, but we're kind of like a little bit above it because we have well, this. Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I think we think we're above it, right? So when we mm -hmm. go into different parts of it, like the ocean, or the forest and we think well we're going to supersede you know we're going to cut down the amazon forest we're going to you know do whatever we want to and we're seeing the ramifications of how we right. think we're going to uh over you know overpower nature and in my opinion we are going to fail and we are failing yeah and that's such a great point i love that point because that is the arrogance of of humanity and i think I think maybe what I'm thinking here is in the sense that we have a deeper awareness 
of self. Um, mm-hmm. We have reason and imagination. I think that's what he's saying here that we transcend. Um, that we dominate nature, which is what we're doing. That's terrible. That's right. A, that's right. No, I hear idea. what you're saying. The transcend. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there. But I love yeah, what you're we saying. dominate. Yeah, yeah. I got you. So I think yeah, yeah we were looking at that different. Yeah, I um, I also like what he says. He uses the paradise myth mm-hmm. to explain the loss of complete harmony. Um, and he talks about man losing his home, and and we can only find a new one by creating one, making the world a human one. And I think also that's something we're trying to do because obviously we've lost that harmony that I was talking about er earlier. I love we're in that process of trying to create one. I love that. And I love that he uses a biblical example to help us understand, Um, you know, man is in the garden of Eden. He's not aware of himself. He's happy. He's, you know, whatever. And then, Mm -hmm the the disobedience and then he is aware of himself and then there's a problem to be solved per se or there's there's there isn't that harmony that there is you know previous to that right Um, go ahead i was just going to read this one part that i absolutely love it says um he has fallen you know man has fallen out of nature as it were and is still in it he is partly divine partly animal partly Mm. infinite partly finite the necessity to find ever new solutions for the contradictions in his existence to find ever higher forms of unity nature his fellow man and himself is the source of all psychic forces which motivate man of all his passions affects and anxieties oh i thought that was really good oh so Um, good do you know which page that's by the way that's page 25 in the middle Okay, so cool. I think this interesting yeah. uh, juxtap- juxtaposition of the necessity to find ever new solutions for the contradictions. That's huge. The contradictions in his existence. Right. Right. You know, I, I really could relate to that. To, to me, that speaks to a real, um, a, a real inability to avoid this inner struggle. I mean, it's part of our nature to be a part of nature and then transcending it, or if you want to use a different word, to be separated from it in a way mm-hmm. that other parts, other other living things are not, right? And so it, it's this thing that we, none of us can get rid of. We can't run away from, we can't, you know, it's just going to be there for, for human beings, period. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. Um, yeah, and I just think, yeah, and this is why, you know, we said the title of this is the being born. Um, tell me exactly what was your title in the beginning, Lacey. I forgot. Oh, oh um, and what does it really mean to be born? Right. And so yeah. I think that, that brings us back to that, that mm-hmm. there, there's that constant um, problem within the human race that we have to, to solve that being born, not just like the physical birth, but the actual, uh, you know, extra uterine life as a, uh, from would call it not just intrauterine, but the extra uterine life that we that we all have to go through, you know. Right. Yeah, and he he says that the problem of man's existence then is unique in the whole of nature. He has fallen out of nature, as we've talked about, and is still, but yet he is still in it. He's partly divine, partly animal. You read this part, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the part, the problem of man's existence part, and then. 
Um, he says the problem then which the human race as well as each individual has to solve is that of being born. So that's kind of the transition to mm -hmm. what does it really mean to be born? Right. Um, you know, before we get too far into that, I wanna, wanna make this one point that he makes that I think is very interesting and true. He says the animal is content if its physiological needs, its hunger, its thirst, its sexual needs are satisfied. Inasmuch as man is also animal, these needs are likewise imperative and must be satisfied. But as much as he is human, the satisfaction of these instinctual needs is not sufficient to make him happy. They are not even sufficient to make him sane. That's right. pretty powerful. Yeah, I remember that part. Um, no, that's, uh, that's really powerful. I think that do does say to us like the dilemma that we have. That even though all of those needs are satisfied, there's still that search. Right. That search for like what you said earlier of the meaning. What am I doing here? You know, mm -hmm. why are, you know, what am I, why am I going through this? What is, what does all this mean? And there it comes back your reasoning. Right. And also uh, there's the psychological needs that are beyond the hunger, the thirst, the sexual you know, the, the need for love, the need for affirmation, the need for attention, the need for connection, those needs, you know, um, and that's what, what he says, the understanding of man's psyche must be based on the analysis of man's needs stemming from the conditions of his existence, which of course we talked about in the previous episode. So we're, we're getting to a place where we're going to start talking about the nature of man um, and of course his needs. But let's jump back to the to what does it really mean to be born? And mm -hmm. you said something about intrauterine and extrauterine life. What, right. what are you talking about? Well, I mean, he does talk about how obviously when an infant is born, there this is interesting too. We're the animal, you know, where animals have you said the instinctual ability to survive with the an infant, a human infant. It's definitely completely dependent on the mother. You know, yeah. it, it, it's it's a helpless infant or on someone, a caretaker. Right. And so then right. the child slowly, you know, it starts to develop as uh, from talks about of walking and talking and all of that. And then it starts to reason because the child's looking at the world objectively. But what mm -hmm. I thought was really powerful, what he said is that the big he looks at birth in a broader sense. He says the whole life of the individual is nothing but the process of giving birth to himself. Yes. Indeed, we should be fully born. When we die, although it is the tragic fate of most individuals to die before they are born. Yeah. That, that that was powerful. Right. I mean, I think that is so, so powerful. And it's one of the tenant messages of what he's written about um, for so long. I've seen it in, in all of his writings, um, that the purpose of man is to give birth to himself. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the birth process in, in the way we think of it typically is like when the child comes out of the womb, they're born. born. Right. But if you just take a look at what happens after that, you know, the first year of life, two years of life, human babies are so dependent on their parents mm -hmm. and they're actually continuing to be born as they begin to speak, they begin to walk, they begin to talk, they begin to crawl, um, learn about 
you know, who people are and that their mother is there, even if they can't see their mother and their father is there, even if they can't see their father, those types of things. And so slowly, he says, the growing person learns to love, to develop reason, to look at the world objectively. He begins to develop his powers to acquire a sense of identity, to overcome the seduction of his senses for the sake of, a, of an integrated life. I, I assume by integrated life, he means like living with other people. Mm-hmm. And so if you can take a look at birth, the word birth in a less literal sense from the way that we look at it, but in a more scaled back sense of like, oh, yeah, that person has not been fully born yet. And then if you can stop it, like, okay, you can say, all right, well, they're not fully born yet till they're 18. But are they fully born yet when they're 18? No, not quite, because there's still more to learn. And then if you can take look at it that way, you can say, wait a minute, I'm not ever fully born. I have always have an opportunity to grow and change as an individual. So that's why Fromm says the main task of man is to give birth to himself because it's this ongoing process right. for, for every individual. Yeah, it is. And what's really interesting, they've done studies. I don't know if you're aware of this. So when you're a child, one thing they know, and I, th- I think this is fascinating because you think of really young children, how they have no, um, they don't have filters there. You know how as you get older, you're like careful where you're at, what you say, what you do. Well, right. children, they now know, like with learning other languages, they're so, their brains just absorb that. If they're exposed, I forget what the age is. It's um, within the first, say, like seven years of life. It, it actually becomes harder. I mean, not that you can't learn a language as you become older, but I believe when there's reaches an age that it's, you're going to have to work on it a little more. And what I found, think fascinating about that is how that innocence, that ability for the child to like absorb information. And as we get older and also the culture affects us, we kind of put these barriers up to mm. what we can and can't yeah. do. And which I think limits mm. our ability to be who we are, who we need to be, who we need to evolve to be, because the culture is gonna tell you, you need to do this or you need to do that, or this is the way a woman acts, or this is the way a boy acts, you know, right. the right. whole, all of those messages. and. The idea that we're constantly uh, being born is is very true. Not everyone, mm-hmm. I think, is plugged into that. You know, they they have like Fromm says here, because there are those the tragic fate of most individuals to die before they are born. Right. So right. we're not really uh, allowing that to happen because also being born is is tough. Like when you're having to shift in your life something. Mm-hmm. completely different you know there's like a there's the death rebirth right scenario. there's that dichotomy that goes with that mm-hmm. you know i also think about um um i'm trying to think of what i was just gonna say oh i i, I think about we've used the phrase self-actualization before mm-hmm. on the podcast and we know that the uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs your basic needs need to be met before you can self-actualize, before you can come to a place where you're this like master artist or mm-hmm. fill in the blank. <clears throat> and so I think this is another example. Like giving birth to yourself really is the exact same thing. I mean, tell me if you think differently, but it seems like it's the exact same thing as like self-actualization. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's also this, and he and from addresses, there's can be like a fear because you know every step that you take is is kind of frightening because you're going from maybe that safe, you're going from a safe place to a different place, and right. so he does he does state that, and I think there's always that that fear that fear of death um, that is both like a metaphor that mm. you know when you go when you burn the ashes of what the life that you don't need to have and you go to a new life, there's mm -hmm. still that fear of, of shifting the from unknown. one place to, to the other, which I think is right. tough, you know, for people. Well, and I think that's why going to your self-actualization that it is challenging for people to get there sometimes. For sure. And I think, I mean, th there's a link to like, okay, let's say that you're a great singer but you've never, you didn't know that. And the first time you sing, you're not going to be like, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's like, I'm a really good singer. No, you have to try. And that feels scary because you might make a mistake. And my gosh, God forbid you make a mistake. But anyway, that, that was sarcasm. <laughs> but my point is, is that we have this inherent fear of trying these new things because it is that process of rebirth. It is that process of coming to a place of self-actualization. We can't self-actualize and learn new things about ourselves if we're not willing to try. And that those trying is hard and scary. Yeah. And it's hard when you don't have a culture that supports you either. If you go, if everybody's screaming at you, no, 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 don't do that. But right. you inherently, your nature, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I need. That's a huge step because what yep. you're doing is a death. You're, you're, you're leaving behind what you knew to go to something that really is truly what you should be doing. And that takes courage yes. and time, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging. Yes. Uh, it, this is cool. He says the process of birth by is by no means an easy one. I mean, let's just picture a, woman having a baby. Is that easy? All right. Got it. <laughs> Each step into his new human existence is frightening. It always means to give up a secure state which was mm -hmm. relatively known for one which is new, which yep. one has not yet mastered. Mm -hmm. This is why people don't get out of their comfort zone. I shared a really cool uh, post in Spanish on my Instagram the other day. Uh, I can't remember who posted it, but it's this guy, a Spanish guy. And in Spanish, I can't remember what it says in Spanish, but the translation was like, you don't ever get anywhere amazing by staying in your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so It's the same same type of thing as as what we're saying here it's uncomfortable right it's uncomfortable it's hard and he says for sure that if the the animal or i'm sorry if the infant could think at the moment of the severance of the umbilical cord he would experience uh, a fear of dying a fear of dying if he knew yeah. you know but he can he can't so anyway yeah. it, it's and, a process it's a yeah process. and i was thinking when you were saying when you hear these transformational stories from people what do you typically hear? You hear that they went through a really rough time. There was fear, there was anxiety. And then it's kind of like the Phoenix rising from the ashes. And then when they transcend that, they get through that. Yeah. There's just this like rebirth and, you know, but they had to go through like the fire first. You have to go through this tough place to get to the other side. You know, that, that, that is the, the challenge. And you know what, whether you choose it or not, like you're still going to, I feel like if you say, well, I don't, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. You're still going to be confronted, you know, with these opportunities and it's still mm -hmm. going to be hard. 
So you can either say, I'm going to just do it or, you know, stay in your space where you're not self-actualizing, but you're suffering like internally. There's still that struggle mm -hmm. because you're not getting to the place you need to be. And I think that's what our life is about. Right. Well, I think a, another way to, to look at it too is when we start to feel these moments of anxiety or, or fear or what have you, we can know that on the other side of that, there's something that we can learn. There's a way that we can grow that that's part of why we're feeling these things. And on the other side of that is something awesome. Like the, 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 maybe call it a good feeling. Um, mm -hmm. if that's the best way to say it. But the point is, is that there's going to be something that's productive, that is um, positive that can come out of that. And it's worth it because if we don't, if we just stay stagnant, I don't know, that's just staying stagnant. You know what I mean? Right. And there's, there's plenty of examples because from even talks about that in the last 4,000 years of, of man's history, that he has developed visions of the fully born and fully awakened man visions expressed in not two different ways by the great teachers of man in Egypt, China, India, Palestine, Greece, and Mexico. I thought that was really interesting because I think we do have, um, I guess, archetypes and role models to look at that journey. And I believe that from kind of giving us that, that is an example, which this is something that's, you know, is in human history that we right been dealing with it's not anything anything new and we're you know here we're here dealing with it again today right right here we are we're it's still here it's just like right. i was mentioning previous uh we're humans we can't escape this struggle this uh push and pull um and the contradictory drives and things and the fact that we're in nature but not you know, of nature and, you know, kind of ha have this self-awareness and awareness and reasonability that uh, other living things don't have. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, it's just a really, really cool uh, what, how from deals with this. And I just love the f part about the nature in, you know, divine and then partly animal, partly divine and that we are, um, you know, he just does a good analysis of the difference of us with, the human being, the difference between the human and the animal and what the process is for us to be at this place of having where we say is that life became aware of itself. Mm -hmm. that, that is like the key to me, life becoming aware of itself. If you just think about that statement. Yeah. He says at the end of this section, he says, in the history of the individual and of the race, the progressive tendency has proven to be stronger, yet the phenomena of mental illness and the regression of the human race to positions apparently relinquished generations ago show the intense struggle which accompanies each new act of birth or call it growth or self-actualization. So, you know, this is, you can also see this on a large macro scale as well when you talk about, um, you know, us as a human race, the human right. race and how right. we've grown over time. So um, that's kind of a cool, cool connection to make too. Oh yeah. And I'm sure he's going to go deeper into that too. Right. Yeah. So next up we're going to be, you know, diving more into man's needs mm -hmm. as they stem from the conditions of his existence, which is 
super cool. I'm sure because we all have different ideas what our needs are, huh? Yeah, so this is going to be very interesting as we continue with the Sane Society and uh, Rethinking Humanity podcast. Yeah, yeah, Sane. <laughs> so uh, happy Friday, everybody. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. You can find us on Instagram at Rethinking Humanity. Um, of course, stay tuned because we have new logo, new branding type stuff coming at you very, very soon. Yeah. Bye, guys. Have a great one. Bye. Thank you. We'll see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast.